I would like to start this episode out with a moment of silence for Queen Elizabeth II. There. That's such a bummer to hear about her, but we all knew it was going to happen. I mean, once you get into the 90s, it's like any day. I mean, how can you even make plans <laughs> when you get up into that age? Because you're just like, hey, what are you doing Sunday? I don't know if I'll be here, honestly. And so Queen Elizabeth uh, just passed away, which we all knew would happen, didn't know when it would happen. Now it's here. I'm sure that her son, who's now in his 70s, has been waiting and waiting patiently for this day to happen. Not that he doesn't love his mother, but I'm sure that there's a desire to be in power. <laughs> so now he'll be queen, and then, um, yeah, I guess we'll see what happens to the royal family in that kind of... Uh, that whole system in and of itself. So interesting to see these countries and continents with their own ways of working. And to see all of those kind of come to these um, not good places recently, uh, to say the least. I mean, just with Russia, us, I don't really know how China is doing. North Korea is not always that great. And now England... The UK has just lost Queen Elizabeth. So they'll be in a transitional phase. Dude, Queen Elizabeth, she was 96. She's been around for almost 100 years. What's going to happen now? Begs the question. So I guess in light of that, I wanted to talk about some uh, famous celebrities that I've met in my lifetime. Some of them I've even gotten to actually go as far as to collaborate with. Even on a number of occasions. The last two years on TikTok... Oh, I just slid down. Uh, my apologies. The last three years. I've been on TikTok three years next month. Okay, wow. Three years. I'm gonna keep, like, sliding down during this podcast episode. There. <laughs> well, stay there. Maybe I'll duct tape it. Maybe I'll just think skinny thoughts. I'll just do my podcast really fast. <laughs> well, what was I saying? Yes, the last three years on TikTok have allowed for me to collaborate with people that I've watched for 10 years now. King Batch and Frank Caliendo are two of those people that I have watched since I was at least 16. And just last year in 2021, I got to collaborate with each of them in something that was about 22 minutes in length. Both. <laughs> Ironically. Lou Ferrigno and Mark Lowry, I've already talked about in previous episodes, so I'm not going to linger too much on them. But they were the earliest famous people that I met, and they happened to be my biggest heroes at the time, so that's why they mean so much to me. I feel like most people, their biggest heroes, they're going to have to wait a whole lifetime to potentially meet this person. Lou Ferrigno played the Hulk, and Mark Lowry is a stand-up comedian, Tim Hawkins was the next guy that I met right after that. He is a Christian stand-up comedian and musician. Great musician and singer-songwriter. He's incredibly talented, and I met him twice. First time I went to see him, he had this bit about um, uh, adult diapers, and he brought some adult diapers on stage with him, and he threw them off stage so people could grab them. 
I just so happened to be one that grabbed one. I took it backstage and he signed it. The next time that I saw him, a few years later, I brought the uh, adult diaper <laughs> signed by him to him again. And he freaked out. He's like, oh, dude, you got the diaper. And he, like, lifted it up and showed it to everybody. And that was actually the time that my brother and I, we did not have VIP passes to meet Tim Hawkins again. It was a VIP for some reason. I don't know why. The first time wasn't. And uh, we just, like, got in line. We were last in line. We were the last there. We didn't have badges on. We were just standing in line. We're like, <laughs> we got up there. We're the last in line. He goes, hey, come up. And uh, we take pictures with him. I have the picture, too. But, um, yeah, we did not have badges nor permission to be taking pictures with him. But uh, the diaper thing, I think, uh, totally redeemed me in that situation. So... He probably didn't care. Um, when I was real young, uh, somewhere on the road at some point, we were at this restaurant with my family, and one of the waitresses, we, my family overhears the waitress say, oh, do you know so-and-so from ER? And the table behind us goes, yeah, 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 we know him. And so the waitress goes, oh, well, he's here. He's sitting over there, like right there. And so I didn't even know, I knew the show ER, I had no idea who the actor was, but I, I perked up, because I was like, oh, movies, actors, famous. And so I remember leaving the table that my parents were at, and I went over and I found him. I just like, knew that it was him, I, I, and I just stared at him like this. I just stared at him. And he's eating, and he looks at me, and he goes, you having a good day? I go, Yeah. I, I don't know, I, I was so young, but it's a guy from ER that was behind a desk and he's super grumpy all the time. Definitely an older guy, but uh, I was on a trip in 2015 with my film school and we went to Los Angeles for like a week. On the schedule, we originally had Tony Hale as one of the people we were going to meet, which would have been so cool from Arrested Development. First thing I saw him in was Chuck. He just did Toy Story 4. Didn't get to meet him, but I did get to meet the bad guy, bad boy, in uh, Karate Kid, who is now the hero in Cobra Kai. That guy. What's his name? I don't know, but he played the bad kid who got, like, karate chopped or karate kicked in the first Karate Kid 1984, and now he plays Cobra Kai, which is going on five seasons, I think. But I got to meet him on this trip, and um, he, he mentioned during one of the questions, Q&A questions, that he was looking to do a comedy. <laughs> and I perked up. I was like, comedy? And so after the Q&A was done, he was just being kind of swamped by people. I walked up behind him, put my hand on his back. He kind of like turned around. <laughs> and I go, I heard you were doing a comedy. You ever need help with that? I'm pretty good. <laughs> and he just goes, Oh, all right. <laughs> Turn back around. He didn't end up taking pictures with us, but I remember just being like, Okay. <laughs> I met Dave Couillet on the same trip, who was the cut it out guy on that one show that had the one guy that died recently. Oh, and with John Stamos. And the Olsen twins. Come on, guys. Help me out. I got to meet him. I have a picture of that somewhere, too. So this next one is super cool. 
Because this actor, comedian, did not have to do any of this at all. But I think he's such a great guy that he not only met me, he collaborated with me, and he allowed me to open for him doing my stand-up. But his name is Adam Ray. So, Burt Kreischer, the famous comedian, has a podcast. Adam Ray was on that podcast. And in that episode, he mentions he's going to be driving through my hometown. And I was like, bro. So I messaged him on Instagram. I said, dude, if you're coming through my hometown, I would love if you stopped by and, like, collaborated with me. And he actually messaged me back, and he was like, yeah, why don't we set it up? I'm coming through in a week or so. So he came through. We made a video. It's on my YouTube channel. We eat super spicy chips in my car. About a year later after that, so this year in March, in March, he came through Salem again and booked a weekend in my hometown to do stand-up, had me open for him with another opener and um, and then an MC. So I did 10 minutes, two nights in a row, opening for Adam Ray because we had collaborated on that video before and that was a super cool connect. That wouldn't have happened if not for TikTok and the video that we made. So I was like super happy about how they came about. And and I think there's still a future there because Adam Ray and I still talk. And Frank Caliendo, I guess technically I didn't meet in person, but we did talk on a TikTok live for about 22 minutes. That's that whole conversation on my YouTube channel. And I've been watching Frank Caliendo ever since I was 16. I watched his first special and I've always loved him. I think he is one of he is the best impressionist I have ever seen in my life. He's able to resemble who he's impersonating so believably with his voice and his face. He gets their cadence down perfectly. I love Frank Caliendo. I was really, really happy to have uh, spoken with him. Uh, King Batch is another person who started on Vine. I've been watching him ever since 2010, 11. He went from Vine to Instagram, and now he's on TikTok. He has like 20-something million followers. On all of his platforms. King Batch in May of 2021, so last year, we were in a TV sitcom pitch pilot that we're pitching around to streaming services, hopefully getting picked up soon. And I had a whole day of filming with this guy, so I met him uh, when I first got there. The next day, we all filmed, and that was bizarre. Like, looking into his eyes, acting with him, I was like, dude, it's not behind a screen anymore. He's real. He's here. And it was super cool. And it was super cool. If we get picked up, I get to go do a whole season with King Batch. And kind of be this FBI assistant character in this action comedy. I had a similar experience with uh, not realizing there was no screen. Like, I was like, oh my gosh, this is him in person. Uh, The comedian Bobby Lee, who I've been watching for probably eight years now. Such a funny storyteller, podcaster, comedian, actor. He was here in Portland. He did stand-up. I watched him with a bunch of friends of mine. Bobby said on stage that his dad had just died like three weeks earlier. And that made me feel super compassionate for him. I was like, ah, he's here doing stand-up comedy. His dad just died. So we didn't know if he was going to make an appearance after he did his stand-up. We went outside. We ended up, we, we almost left. And then there was like a, you know, a bunch of disturbance in the crowd. We go back up the stairs and Bobby Lee's standing out here in the foyer with, like, everybody. Everybody's taking pictures with him, and I knew I had to wait my turn, but I was like, yeah, you're taking pictures, but so what? He's not going to remember you. He's not going to remember that. So I was like, I have two options. I can get a picture with him and just be this whole part of this glossed over picture taking whatever with people or I can do something and, like, provide a quick little experience that he might actually remember. 
So he locks eyes with me, and I had this very shocked... <gasps> He's looking at me. Like, these eyes, these Bobby Lee eyes that I had seen on screen for so long are looking at me now. And it, I was like, weird. <laughs> but I went like this. I go, hey. And I grabbed his head from behind like this, and I, I go, look into my eyes. And we just look into each other's eyes like this for like five seconds. Like that. And he's going like this. <laughs> and then I just bear hugged him like that. I just gave him such a big bear hug. And I let go and he goes, that might be the best hug I've ever had. <laughs> it was it was really funny. And I was like, yeah, dude, that's, that's, that's all I need from you. I don't need a picture from you. I just want to give you a hug, dude. And I just walked away with my friends. I didn't want to, like, hand them the phone, take a picture with me. I just wanted to have an experience with Bobby Lee, make it quick, relatively painless, and then just walk away. And maybe he can remember if he ever sees me again someday. Adam Ray, who I mentioned before, aforementioned, used to open all the time for Bobby Lee. So maybe there's some sort of connection there. I just opened for Adam Ray. Oh, wow. And then in Brazil, this is the final one that I have on here, uh, Casting Crowns Band came to Brazil. Casting Crowns Band, they are nationally, globally famous, but nationally famous in the United States for being a, a Christian band that has several albums. And they do shows, they tour, but they also are youth pastors at one singular church somewhere in Georgia, I think. And they lead the worship. So not only are they like these big famous people, but they also just have this humble, very uh, small, I'm sure very intimate, like worship gathering that they have at this church. So Casting Crowns Band, I had been listening to with my family for years, probably over a decade up to that point. And they wanted me, they needed me to, uh, I applied and got hired to uh, translate backstage Portuguese, take pictures with them. So I would translate from the singer to the fans with the VIP tickets. I would translate. I have I have several pictures of that too. I still have the badge somewhere that I that I wore. Still have the badge. But that was cool. I love casting crowns. That was that was a really cool experience. I've seen other artists, favorite artists of mine that I grew up with. I've seen them in concerts and shows, but I've never met them and had these. Like I watched them have dinner, you know, before the show. And I was trying to rack my brain about anybody else that I've met. I know that there will be more people. I've DM'd with quite a few people. Like, Jaden Smith sent me a DM saying, I love what you do. That's all he said. And I was like, cool, maybe we can slap each other someday, bro. I never really made it a practice to litter or, like, do littering. I used to see those signs, no loitering, and get so pissed off. I was like, why do they keep misspelling it? But, anyways, when it comes to littering, I'm sure I've probably, you know, littered more than this. But two stories come to mind. One is I, my dad and his friend and a couple other people and I, we were all on a bridge. And there's water underneath us. It's just like a small little bridge just on a property. On a property, not our property. I don't remember whose property it was. Anyways... I saw the opportunity to empty my pocket of the trash that was in my pocket. I remember we were all looking in the water over the bridge. And then we all turned around a whole 180. Everybody was kind of distracted about something up in the sky. I grabbed the trash out of my pocket and I just tossed it behind me into the water. 
I was like, I got away with that, right? Yeah, I think so. We all casually turn back around. We look back into the water. And my dad's friend nudges me on the shoulder. He goes, hey. I look at him. He goes, did you do that? And I look into the water. And there's my trash just floating right there. (laughs) I was like, like, I couldn't deny it or anything. It was a new piece of trash in the scenery. I was just trying to get away with something probably. Next time I was in Brazil, and I was probably just trying to be cool, but I took something out of my pocket, took it out, popped it in my mouth, and just threw the threw the trash, even though there was probably a trash can just right there. And I remember my friends all got mad at me. One of them chewed me out and went on and kind of made a, a, it into a joke, but she could see that I wasn't picking it up, and she, she was actually upset. So I was like, oh, wow, well, people, actually, people actually really do care about this. Loitering. <laughs> I wanted to talk about some more pet peeves, because I've been thinking of more. One of them is my mom. Not her in general, but something she does. I just went on a trip with my parents and a bunch of other people from uh, this weekend. And it was like, every time I went to go poop, it would send off a quote-unquote alert to my mom to, like, come and find me and tell me something. (laughs) Or ask me something. Like, I start... Like, I'll be sitting there on the bathroom... Like, I'll be sitting there on the toilet, and then all of a sudden, my mom, call it. <laughs> I don't like to talk to people while I'm on the toilet. I don't, I really, if we're going to talk, it's going to be very short snippet, cut to the chase. And maybe it's just because I'm not in the room, and she's, like, looking for me or something. But, like, it's almost every time I go poop, <laughs> my mom is calling my name, trying to tell me something or ask me something. Or ask something of me. Another one is, have you guys ever had the toilet paper ply split? And then you have two separate plies going, and you have to, like, keep them matched as you're unrolling them, and then match them and fold it. (laughs) I get so mad. I'll have to just roll the toilet paper until the plies reconnect, and then I'll rip it there, throw it in the trash, and then just keep going. Which is a waste, but I hate it. (laughs) I exfoliated my face, like, for the first time in a long time recently, because I I found a... I realized I didn't have any wash rags, so I found a rag, exfoliated my face, and I think layers came off. I was like, it's so smooth! <laughs> ASMR. Oh, people smacking while they eat? Like, I couldn't listen to a podcaster eat and podcast at the same time. I don't know how you guys are doing. <laughs> But I cannot eat at the same table as somebody who smacks their lips when they eat. Wapa! That's me. That's my response. These are hot and spicy peanuts, by the way. Let me know if you guys want some. One pet peeve I have is when somebody at the gathering or in the group feels the need to always top somebody else's joke. Or or ride the coattails of it. Like, somebody will make a joke that gets a big laugh... And there's always somebody, there's always one person that needs that attention too, that rides the coattails of that joke and like adds to it, like, <laughs> right? You know, that always falls flat. There's a Hollywood reporter where Tom Hanks is in it with a bunch of people that came out a couple years ago, but Tom Hanks rides the coattails of jokes. If you go back and watch it, one of the actors or comedians, probably actors, at that table will make a joke. That gets a big laugh, and Tom is like, and then, because, and it's so bad. 
But I was like, what is that need, that need in him to uh, get that attention to, oh, I can, I, I want the joke of being funny this time. You know, I hate it so much. And I feel like I get it a lot. If I make a joke that gets a big laugh, it's, it's met a lot of times with somebody adding on to it. Then I'm like, you can stop because I made the joke. I cannot stand when people just uh, stand at the coolers of a gas station and just look. <laughs> Move. I have to like walk around and kind of fake like I'm looking for something or fake like I'm doing something just to kill time. I, I, I want that one specific section that you're just like, la-dee-da. Quit lollygagging and pick a, pick a poison. Okay. Poison yourself. Cusco's poison. Cusco's poison. Poison in the Cusco. Uh, and final one is talking during movies, specifically quoting the movie during the movie. <laughs> Sometimes it's okay, but a lot of times, you know, it's not always right. <laughs> and a lot of times it's impressive if the person says the quote right before the actor says it. And they get it right, but a lot of times it's wrong. A lot of times there's like one or two words wrong, or sometimes it's not even close. That's kind of funny. But talking during movies or talking in the theater, people talking in movies, that is so frustrating. I remember this couple talking in a movie, and I looked over at them. I shot a nasty glare at them, and the chick was facing towards me already. Not even facing the screen. She's facing her boyfriend wholly. Like, I mean, her front is to his profile. The whole time I looked over and glared at her for probably four seconds, she's looking right back at me. <laughs> like, and her mouth was just going. She's talking to her boyfriend, looking at me like this, and she's not even stopping. She's just keep talking like this. <laughs> it's like, Wow. Wow, okay. I think that was during Logan. Man, that was frustrating. Had to restrain myself a little bit there. So I wanted to talk about my love life, quote-unquote love life. What little of it there is. And when I was really young, eight or nine, I really liked this girl, Emily Mack. And I remember all of us friends were playing tag. And her and I hid, or hide-and-seek, her and I hid somewhere. And when they found us, she ran away, and I lied. I said that we kissed, and that made that made the following month that made the following months pretty awkward between me and her and my family and hers. Like, I mean, for for the years after that, her and I were just it was just really awkward because I still really liked her, and I really don't think she liked me. I mean, I know she didn't. Plus, the whole I lied thing, so. That was not good. And then I moved to Brazil when I was 11, and I met Bree Clark. And Bree, I really, really liked. She moved away for a year, went on furlough, and then came back. And when she came back, we had lost touch, so it was it was really... And when she came back, we had lost touch, and it was really not even the same. It was just even more awkward than before, so... And I was like, ah, that's, that's kind of a lost cause there. I met Carla at summer camp, and I was convinced I was going to marry Carla at some point. Out of all of these women listed, they're women now. Carla has the greatest and most fitting personality to my personality. 
and my sentiments out of all these women listed, she she is the most like my spouse in this life will have to be a lot like Carla, I think, as far as personality goes. I left Brazil in 2014, and she's been dating somebody since then, the same guy. So, all hope is lost. Then there was Nina. I met her at summer camp as well. I came to really like her. She was so honest and blunt. You couldn't get away with anything. Any sort of half-assed kind of like lie or or excuse, she would just call you out on it. She wouldn't let you get around anything. I had never had a friendship with anybody like that before, and I really liked Nina. But I knew that a really good friend of mine liked her more. He loved Nina, so I kind of backed off. Nina didn't like him, and it kind of came out where he expressed it. She didn't like him. I don't know. It was kind of a love triangle. I felt like she saw something in me, but maybe saw that I was backing off because of... Whatever his name was. (laughs) No, Isaac. But I like Nina. What happened between us is we got one summer at camp, my last summer there. We were in a quarrel, like bickering and fighting and having a lot of conflict, a lot of drama during that summer. And then I left right after the summer and she came to see me at the airport and I remember her crying and I could tell that it was guilt that we had spent my last summer there in Brazil, uh, bickering and fighting and not not getting along at all. I mean, it was pretty, uh, it was the most drama I had had in my life up to that point. And this is somebody I'll probably never see again. With as long as I've been out of Brazil, almost eight years now, I, I just can't really see myself reconnecting with this person, so... It is sad. I could tell that her her tears were very profound, and um, they made sense to me. I could I could feel what she was feeling. I had met Hannah while I was in Brazil. She's an American. Hannah, I really liked. She is one of the goofiest people I've ever met, and I love I love Goofy. I need Goofy. Like, my spouse will need to make me laugh, too. Uh, She'll have to be really funny. That is probably the biggest thing we'll need to connect on is humor. And Hannah just had it. Hannah made me laugh, dude. More more than I could make her laugh. Like, when when a... Like, when a woman I'm interested in, or when a woman at all makes me feel inferior about my comedy, my most precious thing that's my comedy, when I feel inferior, like, I can't make her laugh, but she can make me laugh, I'm like, oh, okay, well, that can't be, so I gotta be funny. And uh, I really liked Hannah for probably a year or more. I got Instagram at all in the first place at all because of Hannah. I got Instagram. I saw that she had one, and I was like, downloading. Download faster. (laughs) She's married with a kid, so whatever. Her loss. (laughs) Well, people are always like, her loss, man. Well, it's also mine. It's definitely mine, too. She has a husband and a kid. She went to a really good school, like... She has a super great family. I spent several Thanksgivings with that family while I was at college. So it's definitely my loss too. 
Um, so I really liked Valley. When I moved back to the States before college, I really liked Valley. I had my first job. I got my license for the first time at age 19. I got my first car. I was living with my older brother. He was newly single, and we were just two single dudes for a summer. It was a great summer, 2014. I liked Valley. And there... I uh, am really not proud of how I behaved. There are just things that bypassed me, things that you shouldn't do that I didn't know. Um, right when I got back, like that night, I knew that they were having worship practice at the church. My brother was in worship practice, but he was picking me up, so he was busy. And Valley sent me a Snapchat. Sent me a snap on Snapchat. I opened it, saw that they were there, and then I went there. I just went and kind of surprised. I mean, I did surprise her because she was, she was pretty surprised. She was embarrassed. And she was like, did you come here because of that snap? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> like, I just I didn't know that that was probably uh, a bit too much. But during that summer, and this is true. I feel so bad because it's true. I, um went to my my brother and I were at separate churches for this Sunday. I asked Valley, would you like to come to lunch with me and Casey? Because Casey and I had talked about going to lunch together. At some point he ended up bailing on the lunch. <laughs> so before Valley and I go, I say that Casey can't go anymore. I could tell that she was like, I feel like you just trapped me into now this I have to go with you to this lunch and I was like dang it I and I was like <laughs> I I see but I can't explain because that's more awkward to like address it so why don't we just go to lunch I drove I bought her lunch we did actually have a good time I talked to her that Sunday I talked to her that Sunday, and then before I went to college, I inv and then right before I went to college, I invited her to uh, go bowling, and she was like, as long as you know that it's not like a date or anything, and I was like, never mind, I don't want to go bowling, nah, never mind, you know. And I never saw her again, I think she moved to California, and okay, so there's there's two women left and there there's been plenty more that I've like had interest in or even had flings with but these are the ones that I've legitimately fallen for and obsessed over and really protested at having to say just not going to work out I need to come to terms with that so Kim Green I met right after school I got my degrees I and now I was doing my internship and I actually, I prayed that I would meet my wife at this internship, which was, was at a summer camp. With a camera, my editing software, I go to this summer camp for a summer. I do like 12 to 15 videos for them. I make a lot of money for them uh, and myself. And I meet Kim Green, who's two years older than me at the time. I was 22, she was 24. And I opened my heart so much to her. This was the most I had ever liked anybody at all. I was absolutely convinced I was going to marry this person. I ended up even moving to 
Chicago mostly to impress her, which that only lasted two months, so I had to move back, tail tucked between my legs, and just kind of... I did have to see her again after that, and that was pretty humbling, but... um, Kim Green, I wrote letters to, I gave gifts to, beautiful letters, like pages of, pages of uh, letters. I gave her a, um, she uh, collected vinyl records, so I gave her, along with some treats, a letter, and in this album, I gave her a Stevie Wonder album, signed, sealed, delivered, in the, uh, and the Royal Blue Album from Colin. And the Royal Blue Album from Phil Collins. And I thought they were really good gifts and I really wanted her attention. I invited her to a hockey game on Black Friday. And we had this whole long text exchange that she just said, I am not, I don't feel called to pursue you at all. And then that evening, I was at home, just bummed, sitting around, and she posted a picture with her sister on Instagram that was right next door to where we would have been that night, and I was just so heartbroken. I remember, I mean, really heartbroken. That was Black Friday of 2017, and that, it didn't make me enter, but I did enter 2018 in such a sour spot, and 2018 is one of the worst years of my life up to this point, I can say. Unfortunately, I've done a repeat of that for 2022, and 2022 is on track to be a repeat of, of 2018. Because of this person, Cole, I met online, and we engaged in a lot really early on, and that's <clears throat> really unfortunate. Um... To like share yourself, somebody to like share yourself with somebody physically before you're doing it with them in any other capacity, which would be a lot more important than than um, I tend to give it credit for. But we had a lot of common ground when we would talk, and then a lot got misinterpreted and misconstrued. And I would give this person gifts too, and they would find something completely wrong with it. Every time, and it just got more and more intense. Uh, during this whole online comment le- uh, backlash that I've been getting from from people for the past couple months, Cole caught wind of that and started posting private messages and private videos of me to help bring me down and like expose me and get me taken down and all that. And so Cole has ended up being a really unfortunate. A person to have met and fallen for. And I really saw a future with that person too. I really wanted to introduce them to my family. I invited them to my Thanksgiving because I knew that they were out here from Florida. They're from Florida. They were out here in Oregon alone, no family, hardly any friends. And I was like, come to my family's Thanksgiving, please. And they just left me hanging. They never even responded to me. Christmas was the same thing. I was like, come to my Christmas. And I even gave them a Christmas gift. And and Cole uh, really left me hanging on a big, big... Um, Cole really left me hanging in a big way. And would like... 
refer to things that they had said prior they hadn't really said. Like, I, I remember calling Cole on the phone, and they were like, I said give me space. And I was like, you never said give me space. It's fine if you say it now, like, give me space. That's fine. But if you're saying that you already said that and that I'm breaking a rule now, well, that's not fair because you never said that. Say it now. And I just think it's kind of a coward move and very manipulative um, and kind of an abusive tactic. I mean, we spent a lot of time together. Like, at one point, we spent 32 hours together. And that was a lot of time that I would give. And I wasn't really giving my time like that to anybody at that point. So I found that to be really special. And then just to see this, uh, how it's all ended. They've been dating somebody for several months now. And it's just really unfortunate. Uh, People are always saying the same things to me. How are you single? Oh, no, it's completely their loss. Like, I'm just, I'm baffled that nobody has liked me in the same way that I've liked them. That's the most frustrating thing for me. Because I can really be all about that person when I fall for them. And maybe that's the lesson to be learned. Is that nobody should be treated like that kind of a pedestal, like an idol. To where you would literally just do anything for them. I mean, there's exceptions to that, obviously, but like family members. But even then, creating. But even then, there are situations you can create that. That would be like, you know, idol worship. That would be like, you know, idol worship. But that's a relatively abbreviated version of my love life, you know, and I just wanted to share it. Not the most extensive, and I hope that, uh, you know, I'm convinced that the pers- the first person that I date is the only person that I'm going to date. And I-, I really believe that to be true. I feel like there's one single person on this earth that is meant for me and can handle me and will love me to the extent that I need to be loved. And I'm, I'm really excited to meet that person. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm impatiently so, but anyways, I... Uh, Wanted to share this as my podcast for this episode. Thank you guys so much for watching. I will catch you guys next week. Peace.